Let me welcome the uh, internet family, Facebook family. Thank you for tuning in, being part of what's happening here at New Creation Fellowship. We thank God. We love you. We appreciate you. And God is good. Can you say amen, church? Amen. He's good all the time, no matter what you're going through. So we thank God. Don't forget there's podcasts that you can tune into. Uh, even the messages are saved and put out there. And we thank God for the capabilities and the instruments and the tools God's places in our hands to be able to deliver the word. And we thank God for that. Praise God. And the Light of what's happening in America, and let's just talk about America. I've never seen such a time when such confusion, dysfunction, hate <laughs> that's going on in America right now. Police officers are getting shot. We're seeing that uh, they, they want to take away the, the past and put it off to decide that no one has to worry about that. You know what? The past shows me what I can become. I may not have been part of what was going on. I like what Brother Joder said. Joe said something last night. We was out together. And he said that somebody told him, if I repeat this correctly, that if you want to do away with all those slave owners, then send us your $100 bills. Is your 20, your 50, your 20s, and your ones. Because <clears throat> every single one of them has got presidents that were slave owners. We will get rid of that money for you. Send it to us and we will make sure it gets good use and we'll get rid of it. I like the way he put somebody told him that and, and put that. And that's true. They want to define that. But I'm telling you what, you get a hold of somebody has got the hundred dollar bill. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> I'll spend it some way somehow. But it is just, it, it's, it's silly the way things are going on. The enemy is at work. Giants are in the land. We see so many people looking and, and singing and the giants are, are howling and, and they're trying to do everything. But how many knows that the giant must fall? Yeah. The giants will fall, whether they're personal giants or we see governmental giants or we see the Antichrist trying to come in and move everything. Can I tell you the Antichrist is only going to reign for a short season? Yeah. Who gets to reign after him? Jesus. And then we come alongside with Jesus and reign. Thank God. I'm excited for the message this morning. For God has given me something that I believe will help you. Because I truly believe I look around and we see some giant killers. Amen. Touch your neighbor says, you're a giant killer. Get ready. God's going to allow you to take down those giants that's been around for quite some time. But I do want to pull out from the Word of God just for a few moments. If you want to call it, I title it this way, a view of a giant killer. Or if you want to put it in another way, a profile of a giant killer. However you want to take it, but it's a view of one of those giant killers. And this is some areas that will help you as you move forward to take out your giants. Take out what is affecting us around us. One, if it ain't working at home, how can it work outside that realm? Right. There's a lot of things going on in people's lives and they wonder why they can't defeat the giants outside. You got to get rid of the giants inside. Come on. And many of us are facing that. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you would, please, as we begin this. I'm not going to read the whole chapters or anything like that. 
we're going to take bits and pieces. So keep your Bibles handy because we'll read a few scriptures, but we'll start at verses 12 and 13 of chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. We're going to hear about a king that was anointed and appointed at a right time. It was God's king. His name is David. Let me, let me just throw this out there because this is going to make the devil mad. We have been appointed and anointed in this season to be kings and priests. To be kings and priests. Let me shout on that. I'm a king. I'm a priest. I'm a representative of the kingdom of God. Kings have authority. We've got authority, church, over the enemy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 12. Talking about Samuel coming down, which was the prophet, to anoint God's man. Verse 12 says, so he went and brought him in. Talking about Jesse, because Samuel went to Jesse's house. Now he was ruddy, talking about David, with bright eyes and good looking. I think he's talking about me. <laughs> yes. Touch your neighbor and says, he's talking about me. <clears throat> and the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Huh. Tell your neighbor, I'm the one. I'm the one. God has anointed us and appointed us. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Touch your neighbor. Salem says, I've been anointed and appointed. And you may be seated. Who are we anointed by? Jesus. Through the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit brings the anointing, the calling, the smearing. That aroma that many of us have. And the enemy knows that. He knows that and he understands that. But go to the next chapter. 1 Samuel 17. Two verses we want to jump down to. 17 and 18. The first area we notice that David had done and David was part of. I want to read it first. Jesse, his dad, give him something of a task to do. Then it goes on and says, Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. One thing I noticed that David was, <laughs> he was obedient there's a lot of people that are not very obedient in the things of God. You tell your children sometimes to do certain things. You can tell an unobedient, a, a child that's not obedient to their parents by saying, I don't want to do that. 
I'm sure in Walmart you hear kids say, I want this. You can't have it, but I want this. You hear it from the next aisle over. You're thinking, let me have that child for a moment. <laughs> Not many are taught to be obedient. They want to be rebellious. This morning, my granddaughter was back there trying to talk to her. She was getting fed. And I was just talking with her, and she goes, <laughs> she's not even two months old. I want my food. Quit bothering me right now. I said, you sound like your mama. <laughs> Maybe your daddy. I don't know. But we see that David, the starting point, the, the profile, the view of a giant killer, he was obedient. In other words, David was under authority and he knew how to operate under that authority. We all are under authority. Whether we have a boss at work, whether we have a, a parent that is there, we need to observe and, uh, that. David understood this principle. I'm under authority, which puts me in authority. Thank God we have an authority that's been given to us, but we still are under Jesus Christ. Yes. Right. We're under the headship of Jesus himself. He is the high shepherd. Yes. He is the overseer. He has authority in heaven and in earth. Yes. God has given him that, but he's still under God. Thank God he knows how to put things in line. In other words, what he was saying, he was a king. Anointed king, his brethren, his dad seen the anointing been placed on him. But he still had to be obedient. Notice what happened. He was very submissive and obedient. Those two points are very important. That is, you operate to do what God's called you to do. We need to be submissive. Oh, if ever a time that we would make Jesus full Lord, controller, not just a teacher, not just Savior, not just have fire insurance, but make him Lord of our lives. God, you are Lord of my life. I don't do this because it feels good all the time. There are days I'd like to lay in bed. There are days I'd like not to come to church. But Jesus has given me the task. Go and do. Jesse said to his son, go check on your brethren. You know what the church has been given? Check on your brethren. Check on your family. Come to church. See how they're doing. <clears throat> bring them something that would encourage them. Bring them something that would bring strength. We need somebody to stand up and say, I'm for you, not against you. Yeah. It's time we get up and get busy about the things of God. Yeah. Jesus has given us a task. Go into all the world. Defeat every enemy of God's. We've been given authority, church. I'm anointed. I'm appointed. But yet I must be submissive to the Father. David, that was his first point. He understood that. Let's go to something else. Verse 20 of this same chapter. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. <clears throat> and he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. The second area I see from David's life as he was a giant killer. One, he rose up early. 
How many likes to get up early? I lay there and I toss and turn. God, I want to sleep in just a little bit. I toss and I turn. I cannot lay there. That's me. There's some people who could sleep till noon. My oldest could sleep till noon when he was uh, at home. But now he beats me up. He's in the military. He's been shown some direction. You need to get up early to fight the battles that's facing you. Don't wait until you're in the heat of the day or the heat of the battle and then get up. Tell you never, says it's time to get up. You know what that tells me about him? He was disciplined. He was disciplined about himself. I don't have to be told, but I'm going to do it. I've been given a commandment, so I'm going to get it done early. I don't want to wait until it's too late. This is pretty good. This, this is not the way I've got things planned out, but God's really speaking to somebody this morning. Don't wait until it's too late to be disciplined, to be submissive to the king. Start doing what God's called you to do and do it with a disciplined life. That's what he had. In other words, he was not lazy. There's a lot of people just said, you bring it to me. Give it to me. We're living in a society when we have those that, and I think our government has enabled some of the things that's been going on. Yes. <laughs> Let's give it out. Let's make it better. They become, we don't no longer have slavery where that we have people under taskmasters, but we have people that's in slavery to what the government's going to give them. Can I just be plain about it? Uh, yeah, we need to take care of our own, but we need to teach them how to work a little bit, uh, how to not be lazy to receive. If we just kind of give it out all the time, they get, that's the reason why people can't find a job. Because there's jobs out there because they don't want a job. <laughs> we need to be, uh, this giant killer was not lazy. He got up early. Praise God. You know what? He disciplined his body. That was one thing. There's people that will exercise and they'll get up and do their body exercises and, and get up early and do that. But you know what? They forget that there's a spirit man inside them. Uh, they won't pick up their Bibles to read. They won't get on their knees to pray. Those are just two of the things. <clears throat> Here's something I do during the week sometimes. I praise I get up and praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice. Amen. That's coming from my spirit man. I'll be going down the hallways at work. And all of a sudden a song will come in. And I try to keep it quiet. Real under my breath. But all of a sudden it comes out. I had one lady look at me and says, And you're happy today. It wasn't even Happy Friday. <laughs> it was on a Monday. <laughs> and I says, it was the Spirit of God just running, and it just flowing. I mean, I didn't tell her that. And he says, this, says I, I don't know what you were saying. Then all of a sudden, I said, well, if I can't sing, maybe I'll whistle. And they looks at and says, here comes the whistler. <laughs> I said, whistle while you work. But you need to be disciplined. You need to have that discipline about yourself. He rose up early. You want to be a giant killer? You want to have the giants done away with your life? You need to start getting submissive. Be disciplined. The third area, let's look at, go back to verse 3. I want to show you a few things from this. It says that the Philistines stood on a mountain. 
on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. Now, this is very important. I want you to understand. And I want you to catch this. The valley of Elah was between them. That's where the battle was going to take place. It wasn't going to be on the mountaintops. It was going to be in the valley. Some of you have been on a mountaintop, but I'm telling you, the battles are in the valley. In other words, the low places. Sometimes those low places, the giants look a little bit bigger. They look real low. How many have ever been in a low place in your life? Am I the only one? There's times that the spirit of discouragement tried to get a hold of you. <laughs> tries to bring you down. You're not worthy. Look what's going on. It tries to talk to you. Why are you doing what you do? You must well just give up. That's in those valley places. The low places. They look a little bit bigger. But if you get up, the giant doesn't look as big. If you stand up and say, wait a minute. If you just sit on your seat of discouragement and say, I'm just going to stay here. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to do anything else that, that would make a difference. But if you get up, that giant doesn't look as bad as a bad boy that you thought he was. It looks as, tell your neighbors, it's time to get up. Aren't you glad that God knows how to get you up? Yes. Praise God. That bad boy won't look so bad if you get up. Stare him in the eye. He may be a little bit taller. He may be look a little bit bigger than that. What you think, but I'm telling you what, not as big as when you stand up. You may think you have a, as Brother Joe says, height deficiency, but when God gets all you, he'll spring you up, get you to a place that's better. In verse 20, something else I noticed that the army was doing. They was energizing themselves. The Bible says at the end, they shouted. To kill a giant, you can't be silent. You got to shout every once in a while. You got to uh, uh, relate to that giant who you are. I am part of the army of God. I am a child of God. <clears throat> I am an overcomer. You need to shout to the Lord. The Lord has made me his right hand person, an extension of who he is because he's given me authority. He's anointed me and appointed me. We need some shouting. Huh. We need some shouting in church every once in a while. It's not always silent. We need some shouting because we're facing some giants in the land. We need to let them know the church is not dead, but we're alive. Yeah. <laughs> we're not just sitting here just waiting for the by and by. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You need to declare that. <laughs> you need to let the devil know, hey, greater is he than it's in me than he that's in the world. Can I tell you, shouts brought the wall of Jericho down. They weren't silent then. They were silent for a little while. Then all of a sudden, they shouted. The walls came down. Now, the Bible says uh, it brought it down. I, I believe if you study it, it didn't go this way or that way. It went straight down. It's like the earth just opened up. But I liked what God did. He preserved Rahab and her house. Just brought the wall down. Just left. It says, 
There's your foundation. <laughs> There's the foundation for the house. That house did not fall apart because she believed in God. The shout came and the walls came down. The giants that was behind there that they thought were giants, they were destroyed. That was just the first city they encountered when they crossed into Jericho. There was another sound that came from heaven that we see from the New Testament. There's the sound of a rushing mighty wind that came into the house that they were called the upper room. And God's placed us into upper places and upper levels. And there's a sound now coming from heaven. God is breathing upon the church again. Revival is coming to the church again. The enemy may be howling. He may be bringing his tribe and says, this is what I'm saying. Defeat is for the things of God. But I'm telling you, God's getting ready to energize the church. Take it to the next level. It's never been before. Forty days and forty nights, the Bible says, Goliath got up, put his armor on. Now, you got to picture this. This guy's a pretty good-sized guy to the natural. To put your armor on takes work. Forty days, forty nights, he would put his armor on, take his sword and shield and spear and everything he had, and he'd go out there and he'd face... <laughs> the army of Israel. Why would he do that? Why would he get up and, and put that armor on for 40 days and 40 nights? First of all, he tried to intimidate them. The enemy has tried to intimidate you and tried to bring a spirit of intimidation upon your life. I'm declaring it today that that spirit of intimidation is all put on notice. No longer will you intimidate me. No longer will you speak to me in those tones anymore. I put you on notice. I am not a defeated foe. Amen. You know what else he did? He was blaspheming God. Oh, we're living in a generation. They are blaspheming God and think it's okay. You know what he really was trying to do? Fill the ears and the minds of those that he was trying to intimidate. The enemy is doing the same. He is like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. He didn't say he was. He's like a roaring lion. But you know what? I serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. Woo! Thank you, Lord. He is an authority. You may be like, because all he can do is mimic. <laughs> I can see here, Satan look up to heaven that he's a lion. Well, I'm going to mimic him. But he doesn't have authority over the children of God. Amen. God's given us the authority, church. It's time we take our stand. Get up and be disciplined and be submissive and be obedient to what God's given to you. God's appointed you. And we need to shout, this is what the Lord's given me. Greater is he that's in me. I am a child of God. I am an overcomer. I have faith and everything's going to work on. Start speaking back to what God says about you. Amen. That's my identity, church. Amen. Thank you, Father. 40 days, 40 nights. You may be going through it day and night. You may be hearing what the enemy's saying, but there comes a point in time when you're going to rise up and say, enough is enough. Something as I've already read, they was in the valley. That's where the battle was going to take place. 
But where was the place that was going to have the battle at? It wasn't on the enemy's territory. It was in Israel's territory because that valley was in Judah. That valley was in Judah. That was part of Israel. That was Israel's property. The enemy wants to try to take from you what God's given you. We have an inheritance, not in the by and by, but now. Jesus paid a price when he went to the cross. And he said it belongs to the children of God. I paid for it. It is finished. We need to step in and start claiming what God's given to us. Far too many people are afraid to, to do that. But God's given us right to, to be, come boldly to the throne room of grace. It didn't say come Oh, God, come boldly. God, you've given this to me. And you start declaring the word of God. In your prayers, you need to start declaring the word of God. Let the spirit of God come out of you. In the last little while, since we started to stand in the gap services, and we've been praying and seeking God, God is doing something, church. God is giving victory little by little. And I thank God. You need to start looking around and see what God's doing. That just belonged to Judah. What does Judah mean? Some of you know it. What does it mean? Praise. 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 You know what the enemy's trying to do? Stop your praise. I like what Paul and Silas, it happened to them. They tried to silence them. Because of the miracle they had done by delivering this young damsel that had a spirit of divination. And all of a sudden, when they'd done that, they said, well, we're going to silence you. You shouldn't have done it. You took our money away. You took our business of gaining away. You know what Paul and Silas did? Ah, you can put me in a prison, but it ain't going to stop me. They started praising. Amen. <laughs> I don't know what the song was. Maybe it was like this, because I heard it during VBS. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed, when Jesus washed, he washed my sins away. That get anybody to get their feet tapping. And then all of a sudden, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Since I laid these chains down. Yes, glory, glory. They were still in chains. But they were speaking. They were singing. They were saying what God was going to do for them. I can see Paul singing his spiritual vision. We're getting ready to get out of here, Silas. Get ready. This is what I'm saying to you. You may feel like you're in change. You need to start speaking. Enough is enough and start saying what God says about you. Freedom belongs to the children of God. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. We're free, church. Thank God for freedom. You know what? In that valley, what the giant killer was doing and what the children of Israel, they were speaking back. <clears throat> they were telling the giant, we're going to praise the Lord. You need to start telling the giant that's in your life, I want to praise the Lord. You may be trying to intimidate me. You may try to wrap me up. You may try to get in my mind and my ears. But I'm telling you right now, I'm going to sing praises to the Lord. That'll silence him. Something else I notice. Go to verse 25. 
Another aspect, profile view of the giant killer, verse 25, something that he did, and it's very important we grab a hold of what David was doing. <clears throat> David inquired, so then the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. <clears throat> and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes. Rewards. You know what David was looking at? Okay, what if I step in and do this? What happens? Because he asked this. Now, he didn't ask this just once. He asked it twice. There's another scripture that he asked it too. But his focus wasn't so much on the giant, but what is my rewards? Notice this, a three-reward system that was set up into play. First of all, you're going to be rich. When Jesus died on the cross, he made us rich. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. Riches doesn't always come in dollars and senses. Riches doesn't come in what you own on this earth. But we have riches far greater than that. Now, he'll give you blessings. He'll bless you, take care of your bills. He'll take care of the, your needs. Don't get me wrong. But he also said that you're going to marry the king's daughter. In other words, you're going to be a part of the family. You know what God is saying? <laughs> We're going to get married. Thank God the king is going to marry us. We are the bride of Christ. And everything that Jesus has belongs to me. Hannah can walk into her house and she can look at Javi and says, your paycheck belongs to me. <laughs> My wife says, you're just working for me, honey. <laughs> it belongs to me. And that's what we need to understand that the rewards, but not only that, no more taxes for your father's house for as long as you live. <laughs> I'd love to live like that. Let me go buy some land. I'm not going to pay taxes on it. Let me buy some buildings. I'm not going to pay taxes on it. I get me get a new car. Go to BMV. <clears throat> no taxes. That's right. The king signed it already in decree. But he focused on rewards. Now, you say that's kind of selfish. No, because he asked for it twice. David asked again. Let me tell you what the Bible says about rewards. How many knows there's a heaven? Yes. There's a hell. <clears throat> I understand that. I understand that there's both places. Sometimes we forget that we're just passing through this life. God's reward for his children is heaven. I've gone to prepare you a place where there is what? Streets of gold, walls of jasper. Oh, he's given me eternal life. Something I don't have to worry about any longer about dying. I don't have to worry about sickness. I don't worry about sorrows. I don't have to worry about those things that bring 
things in this earth that kind of ties me down. One thing I noticed, no devil in heaven. Praise God. Let me shout on that one. I will. (laughs) Let me dance on his head a little bit. You're not going to be there, brother. You're not going to be there to pester me any longer. You're down for the count. See, I refuse to let hell take heaven off the table. The devil tries to get us so focused upon what he's doing and what's happening under, we forget that the rewards has belonged to us. Mm-hmm. Prophetically, David was speaking, what's the reward if I continue doing what I'm doing? If I go after the giant, <clears throat> I'm telling you, there's a reward. After you slay your giants on this earth, heaven's going to be worth it all, church. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them blaspheme God in front of you. You say enough and you start speaking what God says about you. Far too many people are so intimidated. I can't say nothing in this society now. I beg your pardon. Who says you have to be silent? Well, you can't say that around the customers anymore. The other day I had a hospital and this lady, she was just uh, befuddled by certain things and, and she was trying to get the information she needed so she could do her job. I understand. She was a nurse. She was a head nurse over this one uh, hospital area and she needed some information. She goes, I have been transferred from place to place to place. I needed information. And she was trying to say, can you help me? I says, most certainly I can. She goes, you're all happy. <laughs> Your voice is just kind of pleasing and comforting. (laughs) And then she said something that got my spirit just rising up. She goes, thank the Lord. She whispered it. I says, yes, thank the Lord. (laughs) I says, God knows how to get you to the right places. She goes, yes, you're a believer, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. So am I. I said, see, God answered your prayer. I'm telling you, God will place you in the places you need to be. Thank God. See, look at the rewards that God wants to give you. Even while we're passing through this life, God, if you'll seek him, God know how to bring your giants down. If you need any information, he'll bring you to the right place. If you need something for your life, he'll bring you to the right place to get it paid for even. Go to verse 34. Let's read this real quick. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion and a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, verse 35, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard Caught us by beard. I told Javi the other day, I said, one day your child's going to reach up, take your beard and just pull on it. (laughs) Caught us by its beard and struck and killed it. Now, something we noticed from here, and the reason why I want to bring it up, David's character was the same in the dark as it is in the daylight. Now, let me clarify some of that, because I believe we need to have some call to character. 
Whether anybody else is doing it or not, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do what is right. Whether anybody else is doing it or not, or think I can get by with it. <laughs> can me put it to you this way? God is watching. <laughs> sin is still sin. What do they create laws and say it's okay to do this and do that? I belong to a higher kingdom. I belong to Jesus himself. I'm not just part of the kingdom. I belong to them. I've been bought with a price. No longer my own. I belong to him. Whether they're doing it or not, I'm going to do it. David, no one knew that the lion and the bear had been slain. He was in the field by himself. And when no one was looking, God was. And what happened? God gave him the small giants, his personal giants that was trying to intimidate, trying to take what God has placed within David's hands and his father's family. This talks about family. When you talk about your family, there's some people who says, I'm going to fight to the death. I won't let anybody come in and harm them. You know what? We need to look at this spiritually. The enemy is doing his best to try to destroy families. It's time we raise our voice and say, no longer will you step in my home and take what belongs to God. Amen. I'm going to do what's right. A call for character was there. And David allowed himself to speak and said, this is what took place in my life. No one else saw it, but God did. There may be times that you say, well, God, I'm not hearing somebody say, thank you. Pat you on the back. Look at everybody else. They're getting by with it. You know who's looking though? God is looking. God is watching. Amen. You need to let God come along and pat you on the back and says, I've got your back. I've been watching. You know why? When Jesus went to the cross, there's a lot of people watching, but so was God. When his back was to the cross, that meant that I've got your back. He was doing what was right at the moment when everybody else was trying to bring him down. There's a world right now trying to... Now, let me point something out to you. Right now, the church has been opened up a little bit and things have been opened up on the religious sense. But you don't think the enemy's going to try to allow some things? They're taking down the history. The history of this country was built on churches. Not on gold, not on silver, not on precious metals, not on this or that. But it was built upon God. Because when they came to this country, they established it upon worshiping God. The enemy doesn't want us to worship God. We're at a pivotal point right now. We have a valley here right now. The enemy is howling at this one side and he comes to the valley every once in a while and he says, I challenge you, I challenge you. Who will take up the challenge? Who will have enough character? Said, I've taken down the giants in my personal life. I'm ready to take down the giants of this country. We need some people to say, I'm ready. I'm ready to stand. You know what? Sometimes I notice this. The enemy was tries to get you in a place and bind you up saying, you're not worthy. 
Who do you think you are? You're just a little person in this little community. You can't do that. I don't want to get ahead of my message here, but I'm telling you what. It's time that God says, you're not just a little person. Look who I said you are. My identity isn't what everybody else says. My identity is what God says. It brings up another point. Something else that Saul did. He says, okay, I hear you. I see your faith. I see God, what God wants to do. But you can't do it with, unless I put this armor on you. Unless I put you, my clothes on you. You know what I call this part? Two outfits. David had two outfits. His own or what somebody else wants to put on him. There's so many people around and says, well, yeah, you may be the church, but we're going to try to put something on you that you can fit in with our society. We don't need you to come outside and talk about the love of God. We don't need you to come outside and say, look what God's doing. We don't need you to talk about the goodness of God and what God can do to those around and change lives and hearts. We're going to put this on. You can operate. You can go after the devil. We'll put this on. David just said this. I am what I am. I is what I is. Your armor is not fitting me. It's too big. I can't. I've not even tried it yet. It doesn't work for me. See, some people seem to think, well, I'm not like Pastor Rick, or I'm not like this one, or I'm not like that one. You know what? You is what you is, and God created you like that. Amen. Be who you are. Amen. Let me hear an amen on that one. But we have some that have two wardrobes. They're one way in front of people. They're one way in church. They dress a certain way. But I'm telling you what, you give them a Friday night, you wouldn't even recognize them. That means they're not walking the walk. They're not, they're just talking in it. The devil wants to make you feel insecure. It's the reason why sometimes people conform compromise. Well, I want to fit in like this one because I want to be accepted. Yeah, after a while, I don't want to be accepted by the crowd that's around me because sometimes I don't like what I'm hearing. And so I'm going to be me. I want to be who I is. Gray hairs and all. My body and all. My spirit and all. The man that God's created me to be. I'm going to be who God says I am. The world tries to put their things on you. And we're living in a time when everybody says, well, I go to this church or I go to this belief. I do this. As Martha was telling me, that, and I didn't know this until Sunday school. She didn't get a chance to tell me before. But they said that the church, and Chris has said there's one down in Indianapolis, that they have set up where that if you come to their church, you could smoke your marijuana. Where have we come from, church? If God isn't enough, we'll try to find something else to satisfy. Putting two robes on, putting two wardrobes on. Those outfits don't fit. With godliness, it doesn't fit. God has set me free from those things. He didn't save me in my sin. He saved me from my sin. He brought me out to give me a place. I am separate. I am distinct. I am with clarity, something that God's created me to be holy. Yes. You don't hear that much today. We need holiness back in yes. 
lives. We need people to get back because without holiness, no man shall see God. Holiness begins in the heart, but it overflows outside. Everybody says God sees the heart. Yeah, but everybody sees the outside. So what they see, what is coming outside is what they really is inside. You know what the devil really is trying to say? Because this is what he said to David. Because <sighs> when David faced Goliath, you're a boy. A ruddy little boy. And you got a little sling. And you got a stone that you're putting in that sling. A rock that you're putting in that sling. That's all you got? <laughs> God is so amazing. God will take the little that you got and create the big. That you don't got. See, it's not about what little you have. See, the boy, when Jesus fed the 5,000 plus, had just a little, but he put it in God's hands. Put it in Jesus' hands. Here, you take it. God's going to use it. It may be little. It may be little in their sight. But I believe that David says, I don't come just to you with these little things. And you may think that because what the devil's trying to say, he's trying to bring insecurity upon your life. Oh, you're not like this because they got the fancy equipment. They got the television programs and says, who are you? Let the ones in those television programs come to my community. Let them get out of the stations and come to my community and fight where I'm at. Let them get in the trenches with me where I'm at. It's okay to listen to them, but I'm telling you, right now, you need to understand we're in trenches right now. We're fighting the enemy. The enemy is trying to bring insecurities upon people. It says, you don't belong there. You don't have this. You know what? I'm telling you because I'm living this story. This story of David is my story. They told me, you don't have it. We need to have this one. I'm thinking, where are they at now? Where's the anointing now? They thought it only flowed through certain people. But can I tell you, God wants to anoint the little people. Yes. God wants to take those that seem to not have much and turn them around. So if you'll use and take what you've got, I will use it and anoint it. Because when David let that sling kind of circle, all of a sudden God says, I'll breathe on it. I'll place it. I'll anoint it. And when he let it go, it hit its mark. Praise God. See, I know this story because they said, you don't have this. <laughs> Some says, you're still living the Christian life. Yes, where are you? Come on. I've seen ministers falling by the wayside because the giants have come around them and said, the church has no effectiveness today because you're not conforming to what we say. But can I tell you, by the power of God, that's what we'll set free. That's right. It's not in the letter, but it's in the spirit that brings life. Yes. Jesus said, every word I speak is spirit and is life. This is my story. They said, you couldn't do it. But you know what? I've been able to anoint. I've been able to uh, give a, a call to others. And they've heeded the call. There's pastors. I've had a chance to pray over them and then bring them into a place where they need to be. Commissioning them. Be what God's called you to be. I had the privilege with Dr. Mark Lance in South Bend. I was there that day. 
And I was commissioned to lay my hands on that man and his wife. Martha was with me, I believe, that day. And we laid our hands on. See, God may say, people may say, well, you're part of this little group here. and That's where you're going to always be. They try to keep you down. But God says, I got something better for you. You know what they said, the brothers said to David? Why did you come out here? Who do you think you are? But I'd like the response of David. Is there not a cause? We may be in the trenches. We may have the giants be hollering and speaking, but I'm telling you, and the devil may say, you just got just that little sling? That's all you brought to this battle? That's all you've got, just that little sling and a little rock? Little is much in God's hands. Let me encourage you. Some of you are giant killers. You haven't even been recognized yet, but I'm prophesying over you right now. And the giants you've been facing at home, God's going to give you the right words and right things to speak. And you're going to be praying, but you're going to be speaking over that because the enemy has been howling long enough in your life. And you've been discouraged. You've been downhearted. You felt uh, insecure. And you've been doing everything you know what to do. But I'm telling you right now, your time's coming. But it's not the end because there's some bigger giants that need to be taken out. Can I hear an amen? Amen. One thing I noticed from this story, there were five stones that David took. Now, you could put all kinds of analogy to this. There was four other brothers of Goliath, and he just going to take him out. Or if they showed up, he would take him out. There's others said that the five represented the fivefold ministry in the New Testament. Some said the five represent Jesus' name. Thank God for Jesus' name. Thank God for the power that behind Jesus' name. But you know what it speaks to me with David? I'm going to be determined. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to have some backup. I'm going to be ready to take this boy out. So many times people go to the battle and they're not prepared. They face the giants. They don't have backup. It tells me that David was determined that I'm going to be the winner. You got to have some determination in your mind, in your heart, that I'm going to serve God come hell or hot water. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Whether my family, whether my spouse, whether my kids, whether my grandkids go or not, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going forward. And we're going to see the land taken for the kingdom of God. I'm glad he had a backup plan. But not only did he go, just in those things, as I bring things slowly to a conclusion, I said slowly. <laughs> Let's go to verse 45 and 47. Verse 45 says, Then David said to the Philist- to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, with spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Verse 47, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. 
he would give you into my hands. Something I notice here that David just didn't come with a stone. He didn't come with just with a sling, with what he understood with his staff because he was a shepherd. But he came in the name of the Lord. We come with one mighty name that's been given to us, been given to the church. And Jesus said, upon this rock, upon this establishment, upon this foundation, my name will be declared to every generation. I, God given us a name where no man can be saved except through that name. There is a name that's been given that every knee shall confess if they've not done it in this earth. That's a powerful name, church. Now we need to learn that God didn't call me by my own name. He called me by his name. I'm his. I identify with Jesus. I identify by his name. Say his name. His name. Say it, Jesus. Jesus. Say it real loud, Jesus. Jesus. Don't be afraid to say that name. They tried to stop it for quite a few years. They tried to do it in Christmas time. Tried to take Christ out. When you take Christ out, what do you got? Nothing. He's the anointed one. But notice what it says. They will know. Who's they? The assembly. Who's the assembly? The city will know. Families will know that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are overcomers. The critics will know. You're just a small church. Who are you? <laughs> the family says, you go to that small church. They believe in this. They believe in that. You go in there, says, and the critics use it as fuel. When they criticize you, use it as fuel. Yeah, but see what the Lord's going to do. With a little, God can take and use much. I like what David did. He not only knocked the giant down. This is my interpretation. When he got him knocked down, he grabbed his sword because he didn't have a sword with him. He's not going to even use the enemy's sword. And I truly believe, this is my interpretation. Is it okay if I just be kind of be real here? I believe he got right on top of that body. That's a big body. And I believe he says, you have hollered, you have intimidated, you have done everything again, kid, and no more. I'm taking your head. Bam, 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 bam. And took it off of that body. Sometimes we need to take the head of the enemy off and let him know. Now, that wasn't the end of the story. You know what David did? After he took the head off, he carried it. Look what the Lord has done. I got the enemy's head in my hand. He carried it. Where'd he carry that? Can anybody tell me? He carried it to his own tent. And the Bible says he stuck up a pole in his tent and he put the head of Goliath on the pole. Now, why did he do that? You say, a bloody thing like that? It was a representation. First of all, the head represents authority. The head represents authority. I have authority over you, enemy. But not just on the outside, not just in the valley, but in my home. I'm taking it home. And every time he's seen the head, says, 
You went under my feet. You're under my feet. That's the reason why I think he got on top of that belly or head or chest, wherever it was, and started doing this. So you're under my feet from now on. Some of you need to go home and claim the home back to you. I like when we had that movie that came out, War Room. Finally, that mother, that wife of the home, the realtor, if you remember the movie, if you didn't get a chance to see it, you need to get it and see it. She went in. She went in the home. She had her Bible. She'd been reading. She'd been praying. She followed what the elderly mentor was given to her. And she come out on the back deck. And she said, this home is under new management. Some of you need to go home and say, my home is under new management. No longer will I allow the enemy come in to intimidate me. No longer will I allow him to take authority over me. No longer will I allow him. It starts at home. Take out the giants that is in your home before you get into the next phase that God wants you to be. Let God be the God of your home. And in the name of Jesus Christ, come into authority that God's placed with you. Can I hear an amen? amen? Sometimes we come to a church and we shout and we feel good about it. But you know what God says? It needs to be in the home too. Amen. So you've been wrestling with a lot of things. It's time to quit wrestling. It's time to get up and say enough's enough. I'm looked the enemy in the eyes as you no longer. You're an outsider. You're getting out. Victory in your home, in other words. Shout brings victory. Speaking God's name brings victory. Say Jesus. Jesus. We can say it in church, but can you say it outside the church? Yes. Now, don't go home and just be obstinate to people. Show them the love of God, but just show them, says, I'm not moving. I'm not doing. I'm not going after. Why did God allow David to have the victory. Last little thing, because he had a covenant with God. You have a covenant with our God. Because of Jesus Christ, you come into a covenant. Because of what the blood that was shed upon Calvary, we have covenant. This is the blood that was shed for the new covenant. It's not just a contract. You come into an agreement with God. You want the blood brings? DNA. You want DNA tells me who's my father? They don't look at the mother. The mother was a carrier. That's I understand. That's a, thank God for carriers. But the blood belongs to the father. Can I tell you, we belong to the father? We all have the same blood. You're my family. And I'm going to fight for you, church. I'm going to speak up for you, church. See, giant killers, they shout in the valley of praise. Uh, you may be in a valley. You may be in that low place. But you shout with the praise. Shout with the voice of triumph. Now shout with the voice of praise. 
Shout with the voice of triumph. Oh, now shout with the voice of praise. Shout unto God for the victory. Hey, hey. Shout of praise. Now shout with the voice of triumph. Stand to your feet if you would please. Shout with the voice of praise. Now shout with the voice of